Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bio. This week I am joined by founder and CEO of Rebel Line Advertising, Matt Jones. Matt is spearheading an ambitious acquisition journey to become the largest independent agency group in the UK. A multi-award winning entrepreneur, Matt has won several national awards for both himself and his businesses, including the prestigious Great British Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Creative Industry in 2017, 2018 and 2019, plus a whole host of industry awards. In the last year, Matt has also been awarded a fellowship by the Chartered Institute of Marketing, a fellowship from the Royal Society of Arts, and in October last year was made a companion of the Chartered Management Institute. I really have been wanting to get Matt on the show for a while now because when I first met Matt a few years back, he had fairly recently been on Dragon's Den. Now, Dragon's Den is airing at the moment on BBC One, so I thought what great timing to get him on the show talking about his experience, what it felt like being on the show, the benefits that it has created since, and whether he would recommend going on the show to our listeners. So let's get stuck in. Matt Jones, I have been wanting to get you on the show for ages, so welcome, welcome. Great to be here, looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming, so yeah, I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you today. Cool. So we met a couple of years ago at an awards due in Newcastle, and I think it is important to say that because I talk a lot on the show about the value of making great connections at events, and I think this is a brilliant example of exactly that. I remember back at that point that you had just set up your current business, Rebel Line Advertising, but also you had recently been on Dragon's Den with another business, a men's skincare brand. And that's what I would like to explore with you on the show today. All right, great. Good. So let's go back a couple of years to before we met. How did Dragon's Den come about? What happened was, so we all hear about how contestants apply to go on to Dragon's Den. And that is one of the, well, that is one of the routes but mine was different to that. So I actually received an email from a BBC producer and he had read an article about me in a, in a local publication. I knew kind of my entrepreneurial story, what I'd done in the past, and then read about Masoa, what my aims, what my intentions were, where I wanted to take the brand. So yeah, they reached out directly to me. It was a bit of a shock actually to open up my laptop one day and see in the signature box, you know, BBC Dragon's Den. Uh, yeah. That's what happens. Did you think someone was playing a prank on you? I did at first. Yeah, I thought, "What is this?" Because I've always, you know, I've been a fan of the show, you know, right from the very beginning. It's something I believe. If you're in business, but not just in business, but it kind of draws a big crowd, doesn't it? Because it's exciting. You're watching real people stand in front of people that we all know, kind of big influencers, big people in business. So yes, it's an exciting show. So when I received that email, I did think for a split moment, is this somebody winding me up? But it wasn't. And so they obviously reach out to you. Yeah. Did you then have to go through any kind of application process or was it just, hey, you're awesome, we just want you? No, there, there was quite a rigorous application process. So I'll break that down for you. So the first thing is to have a conversation with one of the producers, in which I did. And it was during the pandemic. So it was all over teams. Usually you'd actually go to the studio and then meet the producers there face to face. So I had a teams call kind of dug a little bit more into my background, asked me more about Masoa, what my challenges were, what the mission was, how well I've been achieving, 
kind of it was more of a kind of get to know you type of chemistry meeting the first one just to make sure you know what they've read is kind of accurate so that was the first stage meeting with the producer online then the second stage if you pass that one so everything was like you had to pass to move forward to the next stage like a, like a knockout round call it that but so I, I got through that and then they asked me to prepare my pitch so when you see the contestants walk through those doors and they start with their pitch that was what they asked me to put together so I had to do that. So I had to write a pitch over a few days, record myself, and then send that through. So I did that. That goes back to the producer as well. Then after that, you have another Teams call, which would have been a get-together, where there's quite a few more people. So it's not just a producer. There's a director. There's also the kind of your point of contact. There's a few people, say four or five, kind of mimicking what you would be standing in front of, really, in regards to individuals. And then you go through your pitch again. And then if you get through that, they then invite you to the live shows during this process though everything is done via due diligence so when you hear a contestant say my turnover has been x my profit is y i've been in business for x amount of years my products are organic everything you say has to be really looked into to ensure the accuracy of the information so so they check that before you even get yeah, on the show absolutely oh. Right, interesting. Uh, yeah, it goes on for quite some time. So don't lie. <laughs> it would be a top tip. Yeah, because you'll get caught out. And also, they won't hear your pitch. It just wasn't the wingle out. So after that bit, I got through all of that, proved everything. And then I was invited to, to the studio. So after the substantiation, I went to the studio in Manchester. It's actually the Coronation Street Studios. I don't want to give away too much to spoil it for everybody else. But you get invited to the studios. I arrived there 6.30 a.m. in the morning, along with about 15 to 16 other entrepreneurs that day. You get taken in. Because of COVID, I was kind of confined to my dressing room all day. Um, I think I was in Ken Barlow's dressing room as well, because there's pictures of him all around the room. And then it's then in a few stages. So you get invited in, get into the dressing room, and then you have your stall. So when, when you're watching Dragon's Den, call it a stall, and you see their stand, their stall set up, and all of their products, wherever it may be, to the right-hand side of them, that is all set up by the producer. That is set up by the director. So the entrepreneurs really don't have any input to say how they want that set up. It's actually done by the producer and the director. So, yeah. That's surprising, especially given, you know, you were there promoting a skincare brand. You would have thought you would have had some say over that because merchandising for something like skincare would have been really important. Yeah, I wouldn't say you have no say. But 80 to 90 percent of the decisions and how that's going to look is down to them because obviously camera angles, camera shots and the rest of it, you know, so go in, they set up your stand for you, with you. And then you're all imagine a row of 10 and then another row of 10 or two rows of seven, whatever it is. Then the whole entourage walks around and they stop in front of every single one of you. Then you have to give your pitch to hair, makeup, producers, directors, camera crews. Like there's, there's about 12 to 15 people standing in front of you. And I was watching this entourage go around every single entrepreneur coming all the way around until it got back around to me. Then I had to give my pitch. And at that stage, they can still let you go home. That would be so disappointing at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So they do that. So, you know, they're kind of making sure all of the time, really, because it's a really intense situation, which I'll come on to that in a moment. So you do that part. Then your kind of stand area, your products, hey, 
how you want to visualize your plan of practice. That's set. It doesn't get changed. Once it's done, it's done. And then you're back into the dressing room. So you're in the dressing room for quite some time. And they give you a time. So they say, for example, Matt, 12.30, you're going to be on. So 12.30 came around. That was the time I was supposed to come on. They came in and said, actually, Matt, we're going to push you back a little bit. You're now going to go on at 2 o'clock. But during this time, other people are going in and pitching. And then it depends, I suppose, on how well the day is going. Because whilst you might be sat four dragons, they're also kind of going through each of these pitches themselves as well, right? So you want to make sure it's fresh and appealing and that the entrepreneurs coming through are ready. So... I finally got on about for half past four in the afternoon. So I've been there since 6.30. And that the, the appearance bit is broken down in three parts. So we've all seen it. Do you know the interview part? So that's done in a separate studio where another producer and director will ask you questions, which formulates kind of what it is that you're saying. You know, you, you've seen it. Hi, my name is Matt. I'm, I'm the owner of Masoa for Men, premium skincare brand. That part's done separately. And then you get to walk into the studio. So you see us, you know, when they're standing in the kind of foyer area, looking at the pictures of the dragons, having a glass of water, walking towards the lift, pushing that button, doors open, you walk in. Then when you come out the other side, there's a camera there just right, you know, smack back in the middle of you. There's no dragons at that point. So they get that part first, because as you can imagine, when you do go through those doors, it can be quite a terrifying thing. Did you feel like you were going to be sick? Um, a little bit, maybe. So when I actually did go through, waiting in the foyer bit, the light's red, it goes green, you walk in. There are cameras everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. I've never seen, I've been in the marketing and advertising industry for over 20 years, so I'm used to big production. But there are so many cameras, every angle. Go into the lift, push the button, come out the other side, walk it. When I was in the lift, actually, go back a step. I felt like I was in there for an eternity. I'd stand in behind those doors, knowing that Peter Jones, Stephen Bartlett, Deborah Meaden, Sarah Davies, and Tuka Solomon were all on the other side of that door. It's quite, um, you know, if anybody listening, and you'll know this, we have been on a big pitch. Nine times out of ten, you go with somebody, you go with a team. But there is a possibility sometimes you might go on your own. And we all know how tense pitches can be, especially if it's a new business pitch and it's worth something fairly significant. We always get that bit of, oh, I hope I'm going to do well today. And we're rehearsing, we're practicing in our heads. So imagine that, but in a really compressed, short time frame, just behind those lift doors, those thoughts in your head, the things you're thinking. I remember I was thinking, why am I here? I don't even have to be here. I don't need help from any of these dragons. Kind of all of the negativity, all of the self-doubt, really. And then before you know it, you know, those doors start to open. I remember walking through and just seeing these individuals all staring at me. Yeah, walking towards that cross. And it was quite a long stint that you had, wasn't it? Because obviously you see what, I know, 10 minutes or something on the show. But I, I think I remember you telling me you were in there for maybe two and a half hours, was it? Two hours and 11 minutes. Two hours and 11 minutes. That, two hours and 11 minutes. That is how long I was pitching for. It's a long time. Because what you see on TV is the edit. Now, lots of people listening to your podcast, so we'll know what an edit is. But just so it's really understandable for everybody. An edit is where the producers and directors will choose the best narrative from the footage in which they've created over that time to produce the best episode. 
or the best pitch. And do you think that the edit reflected accurately, you know, did it sum up the experience for you? Were you pleased with it? Overall, yes, of course. I was pleased with it because we've all watched Dragon's Den and I think we all know the kind of areas in which people get stuck on. We're all either screaming at the TV, know your numbers, or we're kind of, you know, there's certain triggers, isn't there? So in two hours and 11 minutes, you can imagine how many topics I covered. Ultimately, I think the edit gave a good reflection of myself. However, there were some parts where I wish they would have left some of that information in. To give you an example, there's a key moment in my pitch where I'm talking to Peter Jones. And in my peripheral vision, I can see, and usually you get a camera shot when you see Deborah looking through her glasses at the magnifying glass, looking at the products. So I could see this was going on. And then she asked me about if my products were organic. When I explained that they were, and I showed her the information, and we went through it. But in the edit, it's very short, whereas Deborah makes an observation, I give an answer, and then she's out. That is not that time frame I had that pan. It didn't play out like that. And there was a few other instances in there, which is all cool. It's normal, where I was discussing unique selling points with Stephen. Like that conversation, you know, went on for some time. So again, that's what I mean by the edit. But overall, was I happy with it? Yes, I think there were some comedy moments in there as well. I also got the chance to show some of my vulnerabilities, which I think, I don't think I know has been really impactful for lots of men who watched that show because I was inundated with messages. And that's a really warm and feeling to know that these men saw something in me and that I could talk about, you know, male mental health. So that was, that was really strong. But also for commercial side of it, in the 11 minutes was actually aired, so out of a two hours and 11 minute recording, the edit was 11 minutes. I did 55,000 pounds in that time. So kind of all worked out, kind of. Yeah, brilliant. I remember you saying that. What, what a result. Did you have a favourite dragon? Yes. And was your favourite dragon the same before and after you met them? That's a really good question. Yeah, I would say so. So... I know who it is, <laughs> I think. I think Peter Jones is an absolute legend, genuinely. Is it because he's got the same surname as you? That's all it is. He's a fellow Jones. No, he is an absolute legend. Peter's business kind of experience, entrepreneurship over 40-odd years, I think he's been in business. It's all documented, it's all online. So we've seen the lows, we've seen the highs, and he's got through that, and he's built an incredible string of businesses, and he's been incredibly successful. But yet he's still really humble, and yet, He's still really kind of thoughtful and he came up with some fantastic suggestions and he listened to my story. He's the one who asked me about that. He said that I was... An absolute inspiration. Well, that was the one, yeah, thanks. And yeah, he was just he was just superb, an absolute genuinely good guy. Yeah, and I also got on with Stephen. I respect Stephen for lots of the things he's achieved because same industry as myself. Sarah was fantastic, absolutely brilliant. I had a great conversation with Sarah. Sarah was out because she doesn't have a passion for male skin, which is understandable. You know, Deborah Meaden, I'm not a fan. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan. I think there's some ways in which you should speak to others. You know, I think everybody deserves to be spoken to correctly. Just because somebody knows something more than you doesn't give you the right to speak down to them. And that's not just my pitch. That's lots of pitches. And Tucker, obviously great guy, you know, did well with him in the pitch. And obviously he was the one that, that offered you the cash, which you accepted on the show, but then that didn't pan out in the end, did it? No. 
So I won't be the first and I won't be the last. What happens, and there's a number of things that can happen why deals won't go ahead. I believe, in my opinion, it's also online, you can read it. If somebody hasn't given accurate information after the point they've been accepted so their due diligence isn't robust enough, then naturally any investor should have the right to say, what you've pitched to me during the den is different to what we've seen beforehand and different to what you're bringing back to me now. So that's absolutely right, isn't it? You know, you should be able to, it's like me, if I'm investing into a business, which I have done, and, you, and I know you have, and we're presented with inaccurate information post the power of making an offer, then we have the right to call out. No one. But in other instances, I believe that entrepreneurs do so well during the time that show is being aired, you kind of, you make enough net profit or gross profit to outweigh the investment that you were requesting in the first place. So kind of tactical there. And then in other areas, you kind of, the chemistry isn't right. Because remember, you're not just working with that dragon, you're working with their team. So naturally, chemistry is really important. And somebody who's been in business for as long as I have, you know, I've had crashing lows and extreme highs and everything in between. And the largest part about being in business, and I'm saying it like that, is relationships. So we get to know what's a good relationship and we get to know what's a bad relationship. And I think you learn that from experience. And sometimes it's just that small, those small kind of vibrations in chemistry when they're off and we shouldn't accept. So, yeah, there's a number of reasons. Did the BBC give you any support or aftercare when the show came out? So... After I did my pitch on the day and taken back to my room, there was a senior producer there who was fantastic. And they give you advice beforehand. So advice for social media and then advice about afterwards. So if if there's anything you're not happy with that is said or mentioned online, there is a support function for you to speak to. That's good to know because I think that might be a concern that someone might have before applying or going on to the show. Do you still get people talking to you about the show now, a couple of years later? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, the BBC were good on that point. You know, they did offer support, which is great to know. But yeah, you know, only a few weeks ago, actually, I was walking to an appointment and I uh, walked past a group of people and one of them asked me, am I Matt Jones from Dragon's Den? I was like, yes, I am. You know, that, that has happened quite a few times. Once you go on the show and you've been successful and you're kind of known in your area, then, yeah, people, it's, it's, it's a known fact that I went on Dragon's Den. So it does get brought up quite a bit. And also, to put yourself in that pitch situation, it's easy to talk about it or what you would do if you was there or what that person's doing wrong and how you would do things differently. It's very different when you're in the studio in front of the four dragons with all those cameras around you, knowing that potentially 3 million people are going to be viewing. Very different. It's easy to be sat behind the screen or go to a normal meeting because 3 million people are not going to be watching that. When it's on TV and it's your personal brand, then yeah, the stakes are high. Would you advise other people to go on the show? Yes. A few caveats to that. Know your numbers. If you go back to my pitch... When Tucker was asking me about my numbers, I knew them to the penny, to the absolute pence. Because if you know your numbers to the absolute pence and you understand what a gross profit is, what a cost of sales is, what the revenue is, what your net profit is, you understand what a profit and loss account is, and you understand those numbers, then you're going to do so much better because you understand how your business is functioning. If you don't know the numbers of your own business, then that's a massive problem anyway. So know your numbers, and then if you get that part sorted, great, go on. Now, what we have to remember as well, I would advise 
anybody with a business to go on because we've all read the books of these dragons, Stephen Bartlett's book, Peter Jones's kind of, we've read their books. And if you read through much reading one of the dragons books recently, he said, take a risk, take a chance. You have to think about it in business. The biggest thing is to get started, you know, get started, drive traction, keep going. They know these things too. And it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of guts to even start a business. So if you have the opportunity to go on the dragons, then then do it because you'll never reach that many people like that in that short period of time. It naturally works out better sometimes for product-based brands rather than service-based brands. For me, I had a tangible, actual product that I could sell there and then. But anything really that you can drive transaction from to do it, service-based businesses and whatnot, might not necessarily see the increase immediately, but over a longer period of time, we're still going to give a lot of coverage. So yeah, absolutely get on there. What's the worst that could happen? We've answered my last question, which was around what tips you would give people, but I think it sounds like it's to know your numbers. Yeah. Also, take food with you on the day because the food in the BBC was absolutely awful. <laughs> Loads of water. Just go for it. It is nerve-wracking. It absolutely is. It is. But in business, it is nerve-wracking. You know, business is not built on all of the highs. And passion only gets you through the hard times. So you have to enjoy these moments as well. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Wise words, Jones. And we will make sure that we pop a link to your awesome pitch in the show notes. I am sure that people listening will be keen to connect with you. Where is the best place for them to do so? LinkedIn. That's where it needs to be. Absolutely. We will pop a link to your LinkedIn profile also. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Fabulous. Thank you for listening. If you're serious about growing your profile, take our free profile assessment quiz to see where you're at right now and get hints and tips on how to improve your score. You'll find the link to the quiz in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the episode, it would be mint if you'd subscribe, like and leave a review. See you next Monday.